It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Memorial Healthcare is proud and excited to open their new $40 million plus neurology, orthopedic, and community wellness center, now called the NOW Building. The 15,000 square foot facility features the highest quality, most sensitive 3T MRI available on today's market. The three-story building provides area residents a medically-based wellness center featuring nutritional, counseling, and group fitness classes, among other offerings. Memorial Healthcare's new wellness center includes locker rooms, private showers, steam rooms, sauna, a lap pool, and more, including a raised track for walking and running with views of the entire Memorial campus and surrounding area. Memorial Healthcare strives to bring healthcare and wellness together, servicing patients' needs from diagnosis to treatment to rehab and beyond. For more details, go online at memorialhealthcare.org or call 989-720-CARE. That's 989-720-2273. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. It's time for episode 222 of the Three Point Podcast, brought to you by Memorial Healthcare, home of the state of the art now community wellness center with a pool workout equipment track and a whole lot more. Well, we have a great summer podcast lined up for you as we'll play a little catch up. We'll talk some baseball with professional broadcaster, and he now can be called a major league play-by-play guy, Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. We'll talk about his career and what it was like to call a few games over at Fenway Park. Also want to tell you about our partners. They include Pro Real Estate and Auction, Nelson House Funeral Home, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, The Wash of Owasso, and the ALS Association of Michigan. Well, where are we going to start, guys? Where, where do we want to start this podcast? I'm going to bring it back. Honestly, this is something I mean, we've had such a crazy catch-up portion the last feels like the last couple two three weeks that I honestly never was able to get these thoughts off uh, on the pod. Last week I was at the last day of Lions mandatory OTA mini camp, boots on the ground, Highland Park. What a facility, by the way! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Freaking sweet inside dome. Funniest part of the whole facility though is this: you can see the hill that Matt Patricia built for uh, conditioning. <laughs> It's, you just when you really hear the kind of the ghost stories from some of those guys uh, on the ground. Eric Woodyard was there actually as well. Uh, it's pretty hilarious thinking of what he put those guys through. But I just gotta say this: the team really did seem to be buzzing. They, I, they got a lot of positive momentum rolling. And I'm Dan Campbell. I was able to see him up close and personal. Wow, he's huge. Literally looks <laughs> like he should be starting at middle linebacker tomorrow for the Lions, not coaching them. Uh, but just everything coming out of camp, I, I know it's a, we're a bit away from, uh, you know, two a days and hard knocks and all that, but from the little glimpse I saw, 
it, it looks like a team that's kind of operating on all cylinders and having a fun time, which I think in the NFL, if you're having a fun time playing and working around with the players on the team, I think that's half the battle with these guys. Keep them inspired. Keep them motivated. Let the X's and O's fall where they may. But I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Campbell so far. Sounds like Jared's sipping that Honolulu Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid already. But no, because you hear it from players too, like even – uh, former players talking about what they see now with the lions, how different it is with Dan Campbell. And yeah, I, I think that's right. If you, if you're a team like the lions and you've got to build a culture, turn around the worst franchise in sports, probably you don't have a Tom Brady or you don't have, you know, a Patrick Mahomes or something like that. Yeah. It, there's gotta be an energy. There has to be a change in like people wanting to play for the lions, you know, not just because, a, a paycheck they actually want to play for dan campbell they want to be a part of the rebuild the turnaround and stuff like that and that's that's what it seems like is happening now will that stick around if they start off one and four or you know oh and three or something like that that's that's the big thing like all that positive energy because we saw it with dan campbell i mean he he i think he held on to it most of the season last year but when things started going south you could see it was starting to wear on him last year. So, no, everything right now is all signs pointing up. <laughs> Hard Knocks is going to be incredible. Yep. They've got young talent. We've said before, Jared Goff is serviceable. Maybe he'll turn things around. Everything is there for them to finally turn things around. But it's Alliance. Yeah, so. <laughs> we'll turn things around. I think they have a. I think they have enough momentum and juice right now to at least – turn things around to respectability. And that's really right. the first step, right? Yeah. I mean, are we thinking too much for playoffs? Maybe, but if they make a solid step up and and maybe win three or four more games than last year, that's a step in the right direction. I agree with what you're saying, Jared. I know I called for Campbell's head last season in one game, but that was just, I think, the fan coming out in me. But now that I've had a chance to watch how he operates, you know, see what the team and the general manager has put together, there's reason to be optimistic. Now we've, we've had our hearts broken before, but there is reason to be optimistic question for you, Jared. Uh, you, you talked a little bit about it. The, uh, the facilities they have down there in Allen park. I mean, uh, despite the uh, Patricia Hill, uh, it's pretty, pretty first class stuff they have oh, there, isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, it's, you know, you, you think of your local like football practices. I mean, the only practices we've ever really experienced are the act, you know, Corona high school and the old baseball field. You get to these NFL NFL practices, they have, you know, 30 equipment managers. They have the film booth set up in all the end zones of each of the practice uh, fields where they're like constantly labeling and winding back film mid-practice. It, it's nuts. Uh, and what's funny is for media, they have a 15-minute window that you can film. That's it. So wow. they hit the horn, 15 <laughs> minutes on the clock. They do like kind of fun stuff like, you know, like competitions and run over agility bags, grab a tennis ball, run back through the finish line type stuff, you know? So it's kind of high energy type stuff that you'd want to see on camera. Second, that 15 minutes is over. They literally have these equipment guys, like basically standing in front of your camera, like do not record. Uh, And I was actually getting the loadout. Apparently they have like kind of hard knocks spies that are kind of, you know, walking around the facility. Nobody knows who they are basically scouting out potential storylines uh, potential like shooting spots and stuff like that. Basically what I've understood is hard knocks is legit 30 cameras on a practice at a time, which is, I mean, that's pretty mind boggling when you think about it. Uh, I mean, it's, but, it's HBO. So, you know, they're not going to, 
yeah. like, skimp by, you know, and hard knocks is such a big deal now. And yeah, they want to see guys like Jamal Williams, the running back. He's clearly a character. They want to see someone who's going to be funny. You know, Dan Campbell, obviously, they want to see like where he shows his energy and stuff like that. That is really interesting. The thing about the 15 minute media thing, that's funny. Uh, I didn't know that before I started working at ESPN, obviously. And I remember when I started editing stuff for all the NFL shows, I'd be like, why like Tom Brady at Patriots practice or, you know, whatever's going on. Aaron Rodgers with the, with the Packers. Why do we only have like this much video? We're showing the same video over and over yeah. and over <laughs> on all the NFL shows, all sports center, all this kind of stuff. Like, why don't we just have the whole practice filmed or whatever? And then it was explained to me that, Media only gets like 15 minutes. That's why if you watch multiple shows on ESPN or wherever, it's the same throws that Brady. Yeah, same shot of Brady drinking water, running running into the huddle. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I I remember some some photogs telling me that usually they try and give that that window, like you said, they give you some some good stuff. But once in a while, that media window is like during a water break or during a time that the coach is like yelling at the players and you're kind of like, ah, come on, you got to give me something a little more like go hit the bags or go do something. But it is kind of funny. They don't, they don't want the media filming a whole practice. You know, they don't, they don't want that, but. And that's, I can't imagine what it's like at like a Patriots practice. You know, you think of all the franchises and the co-head coaches, Campbell's probably one of the more lax guys, but Bill Belichick, man, I'd be probably on high alert the entire time I'm there. Uh, So I'm thankful I didn't have to go through that. Uh, one thing I got to throw out there, two things, actually. Aiden Hutchinson looking damn good. I mean, they were just in uh, shells, so you can't really put too much credence into it. But I literally watched him have two sacks right back to back. Boom, boom. Uh, defense is loving it, swarming him after. He looks like one hell of an athlete. He really pops off with all these NFL athletes on the field. Your eyes are drawn to that guy immediately. He's huge, just looks like a star. So I'm loving what I'm seeing so far from him. Another guy I loved what I saw was uh, Khalil Pimpleton, the Skeegan. Uh, oh guy. yeah, couple bit nice grabs that really had the you know the crowd going ooh like ooh and an on. And, uh, and the thing I loved the most about it was very last guy on the field. It's Khalil Pimpleton uh, at the very end of the day. Uh, so I'm just very I'm rooting for that guy to to get a chance. You know, give him a kick return. Special, uh, special give, teams, yeah, yeah. Just see what he can do, especially in preseason. Give him give him an honest try to make a be a difference maker in special teams uh or even just a scout team guy that's you know he's so freaking fast yeah he's small but i don't know how you can't use him as you know a tyreek hill decoy or whatever in practice so i'm rooting for him but hutchison he he seems to be the real deal can't wait That's that's what they need they need guys that play like you said players will rally around i mean we saw well, we might talk about it later when we get into a little more sports stuff, but when Riley Green came back to the Tigers, yeah. all of a sudden there was like a new energy because Riley Green was supposed to be like potentially a franchise changer, a franchise player. All of a sudden there's a new energy and the Tigers are getting 10, 15 hits a game. So they need guys like Hutchinson. You know, we, we love him because of what he did at Michigan, but it's like if he starts playing well and players rally around him, that's what they need to turn things around. You know, so yeah, those those things make a real difference. I mean, you know, there's a lot to be said about physicality, but also the mental aspect, the the team aspect goes a long way. I'm telling you, I I, I'm looking forward to hard knocks, I think, more than the actual season. I think it's (laughs) got potential to be the best hard knock season there's been. 
I think it's going to be a lot of positive, like a lot of times with hard knocks, like with the Cowboys, it's like, what the hell is this franchise doing with the Browns all those years ago? It's like, man, this team is dysfunctional. Yeah. I do think that there's going to be a lot more positive coming out of this for the Lions than there will be negative. Yeah. There'll probably be a dumb thing. Campbell says here, dumb thing. Campbell says there, but I think overall it's going to be a really positive thing. Uh, And here's the thing that's nice for the, for the first time. And I feel like a long time with the Lions. <clears throat> there's a lot of guys you want to root for on this team coach you want to root for players you want to root for i mean hutchison never has his smiles never off his face uh jared goff i mean maybe not the best player but he's at least you know, a good dude that you like rooting for so i'm just in that sense i'm excited to have a team that every week i want them to win yep sounds good and i know uh we're, we're coming off a uh, father's day weekend matt i mean you're the resident uh most recent father you got the new addition with wesley and uh and claire there i mean must have had a nice little laid back day yeah we we're we're heading back to michigan i know we've been texting and talking about it we're we're going back to michigan for a little vacation here next week for the fourth of july so we just kind of hung out. We didn't want to like do anything crazy for, for father's day. We went to the park, mm-hmm. um, went to the pool and, you know, stuff like that. Cause it was like 110 degrees or whatever, but, uh, you know, simple laid back, you know, good food, go to the park, simple father's day stuff. I, I know you, you got roped into grandpa duty, building a, building a playscape or something. Yeah. That was after father's day. Of course we celebrated over at uh, Jared's dad's house and had another great, uh, cookout as always they do it up right i know jared i was going to ask you how your girlfriend's feeling though because yeah, she better. was on the disabled list there and had to leave a little early oh yeah she's I, I don't know something's going on where she gets sick you know very often from food i don't know i mean as the, the guy in me it's you, you we all kind of have that same sort of you know like you know what could possibly like hurt this much but <laughs> but no she just came off of the norovirus like a week ago which i mean Ugh. ted we had that way back in the day man that's awful basically the flu for two days so i think yeah. she was still feeling the after effects but she's came around she's feeling good now so good good so glad to the, hear that have the fatel family cookouts changed because of this uh this weight loss challenge well, the the portion control usually does, but then the way I'm doing it, I have to kind of pre-plan. So if I know I'm going to eat a burger and some potato salad later on in the day, then I just don't eat much before that, you know, right. and then try to do a little exercise to kind of kind of wear it off, take it off. So, you know, I've, I work those things in and talking about the playscape, I did that yesterday down at Jessica's, you know, and again, her husband, Tom helped us and he's a... He's an A1 chef, so we had to eat lunch and had to eat dinner. So I had to, <laughs> had to kind of pace myself there as well. But uh, I don't know about you guys. You probably, I know, Matt, you've put together Ikea stuff before. Mm-hmm. This playscape that they got at Costco mm-hmm. had more parts than I have ever seen in my life. And yeah. thank God for Tom. He preliminarily had it all laid out, all the parts counted and laid out on his garage floor. And he had the order that it goes in pretty well laid out. So it definitely saved us. But we still put in probably a 12-hour day. Putting oh, that God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, some of these things I have put together. I, I had to put together a Barbie dream house on, <laughs> you know, Christmas Eve, you know, right. Santa. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, what are all these pieces? What What is right. happening here? Uh, what did I recently do? Yeah, like some stuff like that. It, it's just the amount of pieces. I don't even know what's going on with all these pieces. And it's just, why can't it just come pre-made? Just put right. it in a big box. <laughs> you know, I'll I'll get a truck and figure out how to ship it over here. But 
Yeah, sometimes that's frustrating. These kids better enjoy it. That's what pretty it's like. amazing engineering by these companies, though, because they it is if you put the parts together the way you're supposed to, instead of we had about six times we had to take it apart a, a <laughs> segment and put it back together the right way. But they have a pretty pretty good plan the way they engineer yeah. those things. Now I got one other thing, guys, on catch up. I just wanted to throw out there a little bit more serious note. You know, we've talked about stuff like uh, the January sixth hearings and different things politically. We got the war in Ukraine and Russia. But something that uh, it's bugged me for a long time, and and you know, and I don't know how to make it go away. But it's 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 well, let me set the stage a little bit. My wife was born on June nineteenth. And we went over to Flint. That's Juneteenth. You know, it's a proposed national holiday nowadays. And we went over to Flint, uh, took her over to the comma bookstore there where, you know, we had Eric Woodyard and Kevin Torbert on. And I wanted her to pick out something because she's a Flint girl. So and they had some kind of neat Flint merchandise over there. So they had a full Juneteenth celebration weekend in Flint. And it was really cool, you know obviously different culture than the two the three of us that grew up here in corona right. but it was really a neat event uh you know we had lunch at church hills we had uh, it was just it was just fun but the point i'm trying to get to is there's still pushback on this juneteenth national holiday and it's mostly it's racist stuff you know what i'm saying yeah. uh you know we have the martin luther king day now there was pushback when that started and this juneteenth it's a natural. I mean, you think about slavery started in 1619 and didn't end until 1865. And that's what the Juneteenth celebration is about. Over almost 250 years of human beings being slaves. And then there's pushback. I just got to throw this out there because it's it's in it's local. And one of our county commissioners here in Shiawassee County, Cindy Garber, She's a Republican out of District 6. She says, I'm not in support of giving company, county employees the day off. She called the holiday ridiculous and liberal in her public comments. Now, how are we ever going to get rid of racism in this country, guys? I know that's a long discussion, but <clears throat> it just bugs the hell out of me when I read something like that from a politician that is so obviously against a different race. It just, it just blows my mind. I hate racism. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame that some of these things, whether it's as stupid as masks or mm -hmm. as serious as the race issues in this country, people take sides just depending on their political side. Like her saying it's a liberal thing. Yeah. It shouldn't, it shouldn't matter if you're, it's, yeah, it shouldn't matter if you're Republican Democrat or whatever, what's the right way to do things. Right. This is probably it. This is a holiday that should be, recognize federally we have a ton of other ones president's day what the hell is president's day you know like that's just an arbitrary day in february that they just we just get mondays off you know right this this is a big deal and it's it's crazy to think that that slavery lasted for that long and really yes there may not be literal slaves in the country but like clearly there's still very big race issues that have not been overcome in the last 140 years since you know june uh june 19th you know the day that that we're talking about so anything to make changes i mean yeah. the, the race issues are so deep you know people people act like racism isn't what it is now like it was you know back in the 50s 60s 70s but there still are generations teaching kids this stuff and if this lady is you know 
teaching this stuff to her kids, grandkids, niece, nephew, stuff like that. That's what's going to keep racism going. Yeah. You know, and it, 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 I don't, it, I don't get it. it. Just, it does. It really doesn't make sense. It's yeah. it's a day off. Who like who doesn't love it? You know, it's a national <laughs> holiday. It's not like it's really doesn't really generally really impact a lot of people's lives. You know, get a day off. Especially, it's like cracks me up. Like, oh, I'm not want to give this whole county the day day off. Listen, they are doing some pointless stuff. I, yeah. This is what's funny about not taking a day off. I by my girlfriend's mom's house, they literally along this entire street ripped out the sidewalk just so they could extend it by like four inches. And here's what's funny about how they did it. They, in between the houses, it's like, you know, the small little old sidewalk. And then in like the 10 feet, that's technically like legally in front of their house, they ripped it out and like expanded the sidewalk by like three inches on each side. Didn't repair the grass. Didn't, it looks so bad. And it just cracks me up that it's like, oh, we don't want to give them the day off. Dude, if that's what you're spending an entire, like, basically summer project on is extending the sidewalks on this little street by three inches only in front of the actual, like, doorway, basically, of these houses, then I think you could take a day off for Juneteenth. Yeah, yeah I think so, too. Well, you know, I, I just had to get that off my chest, guys. It just bugged the heck out of me. And, I, you know, being over there in Flint uh, on Juneteenth weekend, it was it was a neat experience, and it was good to see the, you know the different people getting along, and there was no tension. It was just it was awesome. It was a cool feeling, so I was glad to be a part of that. All right, we're gonna move things along. We're gonna talk with our special guest, Jesse Goldberg Strassler, right after these messages. Memorial Healthcare has served the community for over a century and is committed to being your healthcare partner. The main campus is located in Owasso at 826 West King Street with additional locations in seven counties throughout mid-Michigan. Services at Memorial Healthcare are provided by people who truly care about their patients, who take pride in making a difference in the life and health of the patients they serve through all phases of life. With a medical staff of over 200 and nearly 1,500 employees, Memorial Healthcare is proudly recognized as the largest employer in Shiawassee County. Whether it's life-saving emergency room care, bringing a baby into the world, or an annual physical, see what Memorial Healthcare has to offer at memorialhealthcare.org or call 989-720-CARE. That's 989-720-2273. AZ Printing Solutions, formerly Hankard Sportswear, is a full-service print shop that specializes in screen printing, digital printing, and embroidery. They pride themselves on giving a great product at a great value. The area's go-to printing solution offers a 100% guarantee to exceed your expectations. AZ Printing Solutions has your favorite local spirit wear as well as many other apparel items in stock. Specialty items are available for family, sports, business, and charity events. Call 989-725-2979 or stop into the store in downtown Owasso. Looking to buy items online, go to CRAuctions.com. All you need to do is download the app to your phone or computer and start buying and selling today. CRAuctions.com will market your items all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy something, we can help with that too. Just go to CRAuctions.com. Search our inventory and place your bid. Plus, there are online auctions for farm machinery, firearms, automobiles, and truckloads of overstocked items. It's fast, it's easy, and you will get results. Get the app and check out CRAuctions.com today. 
Well, our next guest here on the podcast, uh, a very special guest uh, because, you know, it's it's near and dear to my heart broadcasting and doing play-by-play, but we have a veteran broadcaster from the Lansing area, Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. He's been the longtime voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, amongst other uh, different sports, but uh, the big story, he got a chance to make it to the show, make his big debut at Fenway Park, calling an Oakland A's. Uh, Boston Red Sox series. So first of all, Jesse, congratulations on that achievement. And uh, before we get too far along, just start off with how did you get word that you were going to go go make that appearance in Boston? Thank you very much. By the way, I really like your baseball cap. I, I figured you might. <laughs> all right. So we are approaching our very first unofficial game of the year. It's the Lugnuts and the Michigan State Spartans two days before opening day. And I wake up at three in the morning to help set up a TV remote at the ballpark. I am absolutely exhausted. Everything goes with TV. Uh, it goes smoothly. I head back home. I try to grab at least another hour of sleep before I come back to the ballpark. Now it's raining in the morning. I'm still exhausted, but I've gotten another hour of sleep under my belt. And as I'm driving in through the rain, I got a call from the person in charge of all of the broadcasts for the A's. Uh, and he had previously emailed me just to ask me if I had a moment. And I said, absolutely. They have at some points uh, aired Lugnuts games when the A's have been off. But the problem has been our broadcast signal, we struggled last year. So I'm going, oh no, he wants to air me out. and say, can you promise me that the broadcast signal will work out this year? <laughs> and instead, he says, we would like to extend the invitation. This is what, April the 6th, I got this phone call. Uh, in June, the A's are playing a three-game series in Boston, and we would like to invite you to call those games with Vince Catronio. And he explained the backstory that Ken Korak, the longtime voice of the A's, was taking games off this year. And they were filling in for him with a host of broadcasters, including uh, the minor league broadcasters throughout the A's system. Alex mm -hmm. Jensen in single A Stockton, Bob Hards in double A Midland and onward. And that was why I was getting a phone call. Uh, and I don't remember a lot of what I told him. <laughs> except I remember that I said to him that I would hitchhike to Boston if <laughs> I needed to. And, and then it turned into one of the great secrets that I've ever had the pleasure of keeping. Yeah. That is definitely cool. It sounds like straight out of the movie Moneyball, you know, because you're talking about the Oakland A's. That, was it like Billy Bean? Did Brad Pitt call you or something? But <laughs> it had to be like a pretty surreal because how, how many years, maybe Ted mentioned it, how many years have you been broadcasting? So I my first year in independent ball was 05 and minor league baseball was 06 and with the lug nuts since 09. So going on 20 years anyway, and, you know, this is your first opportunity to call a major league game. I mean, what what was the feeling? I mean, was it like, you know, you had made it, this is like the next big thing, or was it just like starting to do your homework? Like, I got to make sure I dot my I's and cross my T's and I'm on my game. Yeah, it was that last part because I did not want to embarrass myself. I didn't want to get sick and lose the opportunity. I wanted to make sure that everything went well here in Lansing, that I didn't leave, and everybody here with all the media relations work that I, I do, everything else, that Adam Jackson calls the games with me, that he's got everything that he needs so that it won't feel like I've left everybody in the lurch, and that absolutely that I'm prepared to call these games, that I make the most out of this opportunity. So what was it like when you got to Fenway? I mean, 
I'm guessing it might have you might have had a better setup uh, at the Lansing Lugnuts uh, Stadium than you do at the old timey Fenway Park. Did you have a little box that you were kind of crammed into, and then did you end up being able to sign? What is it? Sign the Green Monster? Did you were you able to do that? Take your first question first. Uh, it's better than Lansing. No offense <laughs> to Lansing. Uh, the the broadcast booth. There's enough space. Okay. And you're right over home plate, and you're a little bit off to the first base side. And what mm -hmm. I had been warned by other broadcasters is they said, watch batting practice. The ball comes off the bat differently from that angle. It will deceive you. And the <laughs> green monster is so high and so short, you will think that a ball has popped up, and it's going to go over the monster. You will think that a ball is crushed. The monster is going to stop it. So you've <laughs> got to watch BP. Okay, so – we get into the second game. The first game is done. I'm going, okay, now I've got this. Uh, all my nerves are away. I got monstered immediately. It was a fly <laughs> ball hooked down the left field line. I lost sight of it. I had no idea where it was gone. Uh, I checked the outfielder. He didn't move. I checked the umpire. He didn't move. I checked all the rest of the fielders. They didn't move. I checked the batter. He's casually walking. And I'm going, either this ball is foul. It got caught. It's a home run. It's off the wall. I had no idea. And it turned out it went off the top of the wall came right back to the outfielder, fired it in, double, most casual double I've ever seen. And I hidden ball trick on me. But <laughs> I know that the setup is so cool, especially the history. And this brings us into the right. Green Monster. Uh, to be able to go inside the Green Monster, and Vince Catronio, who was working the games with me as the A's number one broadcaster, and I was uh, calling third, fourth, seventh, supplementing him. He spoke to a gentleman the very first day and he said, what can we do to get Jesse inside? And that gentleman said, talk to this guy. And that guy said, talk to this guy. And that guy said, talk to this guy. <laughs> and, the key, and we're walking up to left field. And as they're opening the door, the, the big guy at the door goes, you might need this. And he hands me a permanent nice. marker. Oh. And then inside the monster to sign and, and just look at everything inside there. And I spent too long inside there, apparently, because I overheard Vince talking to the big guy. And the big guy's like, is he going to leave or is he going to work today? <laughs> well, you know, Jesse, you talked about the location. And that, you know, I remember old Tiger Stadium where Ernie and Paul Carey did all those games. And it, it was the best seat in the house right behind home plate. And you're describing Fenway, which Tiger Stadium and Fenway built around the same era. So the press box, I can just picture it in my mind. But you also mentioned, you know, you got by your nerves. And that's that's a question I have for you. Because I, I remember the very first time I was on radio, for God's sakes, when I was told 10 seconds to air, I thought I was going to pass out. What was it like when, you know, you got your opportunity to hit the live mic and start describing action for a major league baseball game what was going through your mind what was that feeling like it is the worst thing in the world to be told to micromanage your words when i first started with the lug nuts i remember getting a message from different people saying hey i'm listening and the second that you hear that that's the <laughs> moment you start thinking about everything that you're saying yeah. and trying to call it as well as possible or trying not to screw up and it it ruins things because as we're talking right now, it's got to be a conversation. It's yeah. got to be relaxed. It's got to be whatever comes out, comes out. And you just trust that you're not going to stammer. I flip on my microphone and I'm thinking to myself, how many people are listening in? People that know me, people that don't know me. And so my words are going to be paid attention to like I've never felt them before with the lug nuts. So I had to get through those nerves of just talking. 
mm-hmm. just being myself, especially because for years I did not trust my voice and I needed a good broadcaster friend to say, your voice is fine. Just talk. Don't try to change it. Don't try to talk in a different way. Just talk and you're going to be just fine. So to be in that broadcast booth, to trust my voice, to trust that what I was going to say, maybe it wouldn't come out right, but that's okay. People are forgiving. It did take me every single day of the series to get through the top of the third inning. And then I relaxed when I went to the bottom of the third. So was it everything that you thought it would be going up to the show? I mean, was it, was there any sort of little bit of a letdown? Like, ah, man, doing the lug nuts. It's, it's nothing different. It was just Fenway park. Or was it like, no, this is, this is the big leagues. This is a completely different ball game. Zero letdown. There are major differences. One difference being that I could spend my entire day preparing for the broadcast. Another difference being when I came to the ballpark each day, it was after I had lunch and it was just hang out in the broadcast booth, hang out in the dugout, hang out on the field, hang out in the clubhouse. With the lug nuts, I'm showing up each day, what, 10 a.m. or earlier, and I'm doing the stats, I'm doing the media relations, and I'm writing up the game notes. There, it, it isn't that same kind of feeling of, hanging out with the players and the coaches and picking their brains. It feels like a very different kind of relationship that I have with these guys. When I see a lug nuts player, he's saying, Hey, I'm going to need a new walk-up today. When I was seeing an athletics player, I was saying, Hey, when did you first start wearing glasses? Tell me the story about when you started wearing glasses playing baseball. And that helps me get to know him better. And now I can tell that story on air tonight. I'm not going to say on air tonight. You know, this guy used to have this walk-up song, but he's thinking of changing it. <laughs> so yeah, it, it put me in such a different role. Uh, and especially being on the road where all I had to concentrate on was telling the athletic story. But let me give you a different difference as well. In the major leagues, what matters is whether you win or lose. The Lugnuts could lose 15 to 1. But I could say to you, I saw some really good things defensively out of this shortstop. I saw this catcher take some really good at-bats. And this guy, fired the fifth inning, that cutter was looking good. These guys are going to want to progress. There is a major league future for them. The major league level, they're there. And if you're not doing it, if you're not helping the team, what are you doing? So it's another enormous way of reframing the game. So I want to go back to kind of when you started, I'm always interested with play by play guys, especially, you know, people like you have been, you know, basically to the mountaintop. How did you even get started in, in uh, calling play by plays? Did you do it when you were a little kid and at like your little youth games or how did you ever even get started in this business? Oh man. I mean, I'd call myself when I would be in the backyard, I'd be playing basketball and broadcasting my own missed shots. I think a lot of basketball players do that. Yep. Although hopefully they make more than they miss, but two, one, and then you heave and you hope it goes in as you and the crowd are going wild. Uh, I, but I listened to sports all the time. I watched sports all the time. I played sports all the time. Sports fanatic for all seasons coming from the DC area. So NFL, NHL, NBA. We didn't have a major league baseball team growing up. So I, Baltimore Orioles, I was always listening to. And it must have been my junior, senior year of high school. I decided that this was something I wanted to explore when I went to college. My father had the bright idea of contacting the local AA baseball team, the Bowie Bay Sox in Bowie, Maryland, and saying to their broadcaster, hey, can I just sit in in a spare booth and record some tape demo work just to see what this is like? And he agreed. Nice. So I did, and it was brutal. (laughs) (laughs) 
It, it was so much harder than I ever expected. The very first batter hit a home run. I botched the call. I pressed stop. I rewound and I re-recorded it. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Oh, I, I gave the, the Bowie Baysox broadcaster my tape afterward to see if he raved about it. And very, very kind. Uh, <laughs> I think he was like, well, first, you can't talk like this. Um, so it was bad, but I, I went off to college specifically to do that. And I chose Ithaca College, D3 school in central New York, small school, because they said at the radio station there, you can get on the air if you want to your first week. It's all extracurricular. We're just looking for bodies. And so my very first week there, I'm doing sports updates. And over the course of my time and four years there, I was doing basketball, men's and women's, and baseball, and women's hockey, and softball, and lacrosse, and uh, calling football games, and doing a sports talk show, just to get on the air. Because it's so hard. I had somebody tell me the other day, you're a natural. No. As you guys understand, talking is a learned skill. Being able to express what your thoughts are is a learned skill. It's hard. So those four years of college, and then I got out of that. And my senior year, I applied to every baseball opening, and I didn't get a single one. <laughs> so now I'm I'm out of college. I'm trying to figure out what to do. And a guy gives me the advice, go to the baseball winter meetings in December uh, and see if I can hook on with the team as an intern. So now it's half a year after I've graduated college, and I'm there with my cassette tapes and my resumes. And thank goodness a team hired me as an intern to sit at, in the radio studio and just play the commercials for them and do the pregame postgame show. Um, and that was my 2005 debut. 2006, as it turned out, uh, in Montgomery, Alabama, the guy who worked there had done the same exact job that I had done for the same broadcaster and the same general manager. And so he could put himself in my shoes and he said, I'm bringing you on as my number two broadcaster. Um, and I called two baseball games basically in my life before that. So that was enormous, getting 2006 and 2007 at his side to learn from him in the Southern League and calling Evan Longoria and all the Tampa Bay Devil Rays coming up. And then 2008, I got my first number one gig, independent ball in Windy City in the Frontier League. But even then, I had nothing until May of 2008. I thought that I was going to be out of baseball. And that was when Windy City called me up while I was at a Bowie Bay Sox game as a fan. And from that... That parlayed into getting the Lugnuts job in 2009. But it's hard to get experience. It's hard to get internships and jobs. I'm just thankful that people have given me the time to work and grow as I have. Yeah. You know, Jesse, uh, you've, you've got a nice career going in Lansing. Just a little side note that probably nobody knows about. When the Lugnuts came into existence, I decided to fire over a resume over there to be their play-by-play -play guy, but I got a nice polite letter back that they recovered. So that, that ended my lug nut career. Yep. But, but, you know, you also talked about, uh, uh, you know, getting into broadcasting and developing a style. I remember when I first started, you know, I was trying to be Mr. Professional Broadcast Guy, and it just doesn't work. You just got to be natural. Like you said, talk in your own conversational way. And I was able to develop that. You know, I don't care what anybody says. It's it, it's a matter of getting your personality out there and just talking. And, you know, you do it very well. I got a chance to listen to your game, some of your games out there in Boston. 
you got a really nice style. It's perfect for baseball, I think. And, uh, you know, if you were going to pass on any advice to any wannabe broadcasters, do you got anything you want to add to that? Well, Ted, first, I want to go back. Uh, do you want to call Lugnuts games now? Because I happen to have an in. Oh, you got it. <laughs> Let's talk off air, Jesse. Okay. I'm just saying, I could with the right guy. I could get you some innings. My, my advice is going to be, it's going to sound a little weird. Uh, I love the Miles Davis line that you got to practice a long time to sound like yourself. Mm-hmm. When, when people talk normally, that's not good enough for radio, or that's not good enough for simply audio. When you think about podcasting or anything like that, when we talk normally, we talk monotone and we interrupt each other and there's expressions, there's gestures. It's very weird to talk for a while and not have anybody interrupt you. It's got to be learned. Mm-hmm. There are different things that you can do to understand what you can do with your voice. And then once you push that far, once you understand what you can do with your voice, that's then when you start to come back to being natural. That's then when you start to say, who am I? What do I bring to the table? And an easy thing is with me, you generally can hear a smile in my voice. <laughs> with other people, you can hear their humor. You can hear their, I mean, think about a Kevin Harlan and what he gets oh, yeah. out of his voice or an Ian Eagle, what he gets out of his voice. You've got to explore what your voice can do and then really push those bounds to understand, am I a really good highlight guy? Am I a really good sports talk guy? What is it that I express and where are my strengths? So that's my chief advice to someone is understand your voice, understand how to take care of your voice. It's similar to a marathoner. A normal person cannot talk for hours straight without hurting their voice. So you have to understand what do you do in order to talk normally and healthily and not strain this in the slightest. And then say, what do I lean into? What should I work on? And go from there. It's, it's like telling a pitcher, and this is so hard for these guys at this level and at every level. You've thrown a baseball your whole life while well, you're doing it wrong. And we learn that in talking, how your breathing is wrong, how you're talking is wrong. And it's all a matter of speaking just to say, let's talk about what works. So it's, it's so weird to tell a broadcaster, understand your voice better. But yes, number one is understand your voice better. Number two is put in the work, put in the prep and figure out what matters. So understand how to talk the game. If you're trying to talk football, understand how you talk football. What's the name of each play and each formation, each pass pattern and everything like that. So using the right words that you need. And then the third thing is you've got to break everything that you say up into smaller phrases. This has been a very long sentence. If you're broadcasting sports, let's say you're doing play-by-play, a good play-by-play person speaks in chunks, Mm -hmm. chunk, 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 quarterback under center, first and 10, takes the snap, drops back, under pressure, rolls right, fires, incomplete. It's it's which we don't do as human beings. Nobody talks in chunks. And the same thing goes baseball play by play. The two, two bounce toward third backhands, plants, fires, got them one down. So yeah, those are three quick things that a broadcaster can do to work on, to prepare themselves. Great advice. No, I think those are all, it's very interesting. I've never heard it explained like that before, because I think a lot of people, you know, like, like us four played and watched sports their whole life. So they think I could get in the booth or when they're watching a game and 
they criticize Joe Buck or they mm-hmm. criticize Troy Aikman or, you know, whoever they criticize Ted Fattel when they're listening on Z95 the castle. <laughs> and, you know, they think I know sports, I know football. I talk about it all the time with my friends. I could do this. It's completely different when those lights come on or like you said, just the art of doing it, being able to call a game for three hours or sit there and explain certain plays and stuff. It's that was really interesting to hear. I wanted to ask you though, had you ever been to Fenway Park before that trip? I had been as a fan. Okay. My in between junior and senior year of high school, my parents had the great idea of partnering up the universities that I wanted to look at with baseball stadiums. Oh, so nice. we were checking out Boston University and Emerson. Let's go to Fenway. We're checking mm-hmm. out it. Let's go see a Pirates game. And so we went up and down the East Coast and we saw all the baseball stadiums as I was checking out colleges. That's cool. So, I mean, you had been there before. I was going to ask, you know, what was your the experience of just going to Fenway? Because I've, I've told these guys my opinion. I lived in Connecticut. I've been to five or six games at Fenway. The lore of Fenway Park is amazing. The history, it's Fenway Park. It's amazing. Personally, I think it's kind of like it's a little bit of a rundown stadium. You know, if it, if it wasn't Fenway Park, it'd be like, why is this thing still standing? But the cool thing is the area around Fenway, all the bars and restaurants and, you know, you can just like hang out around. They, they shut the streets down. People walking around the streets on game day, hot dog vendors all over the place. Like just the atmosphere of Fenway Park takes that place to another level. What I remember about sitting in Fenway was that the seats are fixed. And so yeah. the entire time I was like this. The first game, the first game I went to, I was sitting on first base, first base side. Um, it was a Tigers game. And yeah, I was, you know, a little ways up. And yeah, I'm watching the whole game like this. And I'm like, <laughs> what is this? The Fenway Park. Like, what are we doing here? This is terrible. You got to go to the bleachers, go to the outfield where you can just hang out with the normal people. <laughs> uh, but that said, in terms of around the ballpark, it's special. Yeah. We were sitting on the team bus ready uh, to ride back to the hotel after one of the games ended. We looked across the street from the team bus, across the street from the ballpark, and there is this pizza place. And the radio voice, Vince Catronio, looked at the TV broadcasters and he said, I bet you that's good pizza. <laughs> and, uh, maybe five seconds later, 10 seconds later, the TV play-by-play guy was in line purchasing four slices of pizza for everybody. And he goes, let's find out. And everybody took their first bite and you just heard the sound of, oh, this is good pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I have a question. I know Ted will will really appreciate this. You have a kind of a cool tradition that you do where you recreate calling a game like how they used to in the olden days uh, on the road. Basically, am I understanding this right? You're reading like a news feed basically and recalling it. What what exactly? How did you come up with that idea? And do you wonder how the heck those guys ever did that way back in the day? It went Twilight Zone on me. I thought that I was paying tribute to something that we would never have to do again. And then the freaking pandemic showed yep. up and suddenly no broadcasters traveled. And I had broadcasters around the country saying, hey, can you send me your canned crowd noise, your canned bat sound? <laughs> I'm going, I didn't want this to come back. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, I'm fascinated by how we got to where we are. I think that's so important. And broadcasters used to not be able to travel because it was an expense and the equipment. So you would sit back in your radio studio and yes, you would have your canned crowd sewn and you would <laughs> whack your wooden spoon against a ruler, whatever it was. And that would be, uh, so for, for me, I, I first did this as an assignment, as an intern in 2005. And I was very bad at it because it's very difficult. It's hard. But then you fast forward to 2008 
and I'm with Windy City, and uh, the internet is knocked out in our press box, but the internet is still on in the front office. So if I want to broadcast this game, I have to recreate it. There is no other way. And I said, I can do this. I can call this game. I don't have to skip this game. And I go into the front office and I recreated that game with somebody messaging to me play by play what was going on. Turned into the first no-hitter in franchise history. Wow. <laughs> well, after that, I thought, I need to make this a personal tradition. And I joined the Lugnuts in 09, and every year with the Lugnuts, I would do this, where I would sit somewhere where I couldn't see the game, and I'd have a Lugnuts coworker message me, ball, strike, you know, Facebook Messenger, text message, it didn't matter, and just recreate the game. And it would get um, a little... Uh, awkward, let's say if I missed a message or if they did not communicate things right, and suddenly I've got to have a sacrifice fly with two outs. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, or, oh, wait, when did this pitcher come into the game? We missed that message. <laughs> but at, at, we would get to the end, and I would explain to the listeners the entire time, by the way, I can't see this. So that home run might not have happened exactly <laughs> the way that I called it, but he did homer. Um, Th that is an awesome tradition, man. I mean, when I first did it the first time, I was sending, uh, you know, little messages out via a telegraph, but that was how old I am. Telegraph. But, uh, <laughs> Good Lord. But what I wanted to, wanted to say, Jesse, you've, you've touched on it quite a bit. And, uh, you know, in this business, if you're going to be successful, you know, you, you not only got to have talent, but you got to hustle. And, you know, you've hustled all over the place. We can tell that a lot of our other guests that we've had on have done the same. And, and, and we appreciate the hard work, man. I mean, we see it. it it's just been tremendous following your career and, and seeing how you do hustle because you wear many hats for the lug nuts. And if you look at your resume, you can see how you've progressed all the way up the ladder. But my final question for you here, Jesse, is, uh, you know, when you finished back at Fenway again, when you finished your broadcast and you were wrapped for the night and, you know, you lean back in your chair. I don't know if you grab a frosty or what it is, but <laughs> what was going through your mind, you know, after, after that three game set? Let me answer you first, the first game, because the first game ended mm -hmm. and my cousin drew my first cousin who basically was a big brother to me. And he and my brother, I have a younger brother, we are on this, this three-way uh, chat, which we check in with each other every morning with our wordles, that kind of thing. Well, the game ends, and he sends a message to my brother and I that a grandfather would be proud of me. Uh, and that was when I cried. I, I, just, I just put my head down in the broadcast booth as Vince is going through the postgame show, and I could not stop myself. That's where it really sank in that I have called a game in the major leagues. And what my late grandfather, who was a fantastic baseball fan, whenever I'd visit, he and I would listen to baseball on the radio, what he would think about me calling a major league game on the radio. Um, the third game of the series, though, I had been told that when, uh, if the A's win, I'm responsible for a post-game interview. And they lose six to one in game one, and it's not close. And they lose 10 to one in game two, and it's not close. But in game three, it's four to one going to the bottom of the eighth. They allow two runs, but they escape. They go to the ninth. It's, it's four to three, and I'm going, oh, here we go. <laughs> so I'm taking the elevator down, and I'm standing outside the clubhouse, and I'm game casting. They got the first out of the bottom of the ninth. They got the second. 
Then they got the third, totally anticlimactic. They wrap it up. And there I am standing out there waiting for my postgame interview. I interviewed the starting pitcher, Paul Blackburn. He could not have been a better guy. It was great. The media relations person had to come out and say, wrap it up, because Paul was just going on with his answer. <laughs> and then once that was done, then I hustled back upstairs. And Vince Caccione was telling me, you got to pack up, and we've got to go in a hurry. So I'm throwing things into my bag, including my water bottle, fling my bag over my shoulder. The water bottle gets flung out of the window. So right now, at oh, Fenway Park, the awning outside the broadcast booth, that's where my water bottle is. Sorry, <laughs> Boston. Uh, there was no real time to process it, and then it was off to try to get to the airport um, before my flight left. <laughs> because wow. we've got the traffic of Brookline and the U.S. Open and Boston Red Sox traffic and Celtics Warriors traffic oh, that we're battling through. So the first game I was able to process, I wasn't able to process the third game of the series, because I'm trying to get to the airport, I have a little bit of flight nervousness. I, right. I'm great with flying, except I don't like when a plane does that. That does not make me too happy. <laughs> we get on the plane, and the pilot immediately goes, this is going to be a bumpy ride. Oh, <laughs> so then we get back to Lansing, and immediately it's 2 a.m. I try to grab whatever sleep I can. I'm going right in, doing the lug nuts game, and then I sprain my ankle in the bottom of the seventh inning, hustling oh, up and down steps. So quite frankly, I still don't think I've had that come down of the Boston three-game series. It was only after day one that I was able to process a little. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was such an incredible time that I then tried to say, all right, now let's get back into Lug Nuts baseball. Oh, man. That's cool. All right. Well, Jesse, I tell you what, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. It's quite a story. I, I, when I first read about it, I thought, man, I got to get a hold of this guy. This is an incredible story. And it sounds like it lived up to everything you expected. And uh, again, thanks for joining us. We'll be following you on Lansing Lugnut Radio and wherever your career takes you from here. But thanks for joining Three Point Podcast today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me talk your ears off. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Thank you. It's what it's all about. Thanks, Jesse. The Wash of Owasso is excited to welcome you to their new and state-of-the-art full-service laundromat. Conveniently located at 809 West Main Street in historic West Town, Owasso. They're open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for the coin laundry, or you can drop off your laundry for wash and fold service Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 p.m. Too busy to stop in? No problem, as the Wash of Owasso will pick up your laundry right at your door and will deliver it back to you the next day. Go online to thewashofowasso.com. That's the Wash of Owasso. To view pricing or call 989-472-3322 and schedule your pickup as a special three-point podcast bonus. Enter code 3PP, that's the number three and two Ps, at checkout for 10% off your first order. The three-point podcast team welcomes the wash of Owasso to our team. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. 
Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesonine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Oh, great stuff there, catching up with Jesse. Uh, definitely we'll be talking to him about maybe getting on mic for some lug nuts games, guys. Sounds sounds oh, like a lot of your, fun. Your retirement is going <laughs> to be pushed aside. You're going to go... The sports guy is coming back. That's All I'm gonna right. say is I don't know what I don't know how serious you are about actually doing it. Why? Why not? Why couple, not? couple innings. Yeah, give it a knock it off the old bucket list. Why? Yeah, I'd do it. And why not? Hey, and I have had a little experience. I mean, we we did a Owasso softball game this year. It's no different. It's it's. I, in fact, to tell you the truth, I love doing ball probably better than anything football maybe second basketball third but uh doing softball baseball it is a lot of fun but let's wrap up the show with some potpourri guys that uh, matt you kind of set it up earlier a little bit of a talk here about the tigers and riley green getting brought up and you know there there seems to be a little different attitude in the clubhouse i know they did have recently a, a big players only meeting that got a little bit heated from what i understand and shortly after that that's when they brought up green to the team uh, maybe it coincides with each other, but uh, it's nice to see what the kid can do. I remember AJ Hinch, like when Green got hurt uh, before the season started, he said something along the lines of like it was pretty deflating because mm-hmm. Riley Green was supposed to kind of be like the catalyst, you know, kind of the leader, maybe the best player on the team this year. Right. And, um, you know, then he gets hurt. So it was a little deflating. And you can see he's still, he's still young, obviously, but, um, you can see like he can hit, he can play, he can play in the outfield. I think it's funny how he still catches the ball with two hands every time, you know, major league players don't really do that as much anymore, but um, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And they started hitting the ball. I mean, right when he comes up, they score like 16 runs or whatever in his, his first game. And so hopefully they can sustain it. I know scoobal has been struggling his last few starts. Bias has actually turned it around. That's nice to see. So this team, man, I just don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of funny when you really, like, it kind of clicked my, like, dude, holy smokes, there's still a hundred games left. Right. <laughs> it feels like right. we are, like, nearing the end of the season. No, it's, it's not even halfway yet. So, like I said, I mean, until, we'll keep using that excuse until the season ends. You know, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. Um, Riley Green, it's good to see him just finally up. And how about, the, just? I mean, Came in and immediately made an impact, hitting balls already. We see it with you know Cody Clemens took him a little while to get his first hit. Riley Green first at bat gets a hit. I yeah. mean, I'm sold on him. Seems like a good dude. Uh, I really do think he's got some star power in him, and he seems like he can hit the ball very well. So it'll be exciting to watch his career pan out. Uh, and it seems like it's also kind of given Spencer Torkelson sort of a jolt. Right. A lot of people say like you know maybe he's just always been comfortable kind of playing with Riley and batting mm-hmm. right behind him. So I think that maybe has something to do with his kind of uptick lately yeah. as well. It, well, it, I think we've said it before. It sure we were all very excited for this season, probably unrealistically for this season, but it sure looks like there is something there, whether it's next year or in a couple years. You know, if these pitchers can develop a little more. Um, you know, some of these young guys, Green, Torkelson, you know, some other guys make a couple other big free agent signings. They've got something going. They, they, it, the potential is there. So hopefully Hinch sticks around. Hinch is a good manager. Hopefully he doesn't 
you know, if, if the Tigers keep struggling, hopefully Hinch doesn't say, I got to get out of here. So I, I agree with you on that. I think he's the guy to kind of lead this team through the rebuilding process. Unfortunately, the injuries really hurt him back and set him back this year. But I, I think the, the rebuild is headed in the right direction. And speaking of that, fellas, you know, the Detroit Pistons are looking at a big rebuild. I mean, they got the fifth choice in the draft which uh, we're recording this on thursday draft is tonight and they had a little news splash with uh, jeremy grant getting traded to uh, portland you two guys are more of the nba experts break it down for me is it a good trade is it a uh, more to come what do you guys think yeah that's it seems like it's clearing up cap space to you know i don't know whether it's going after aiden or other free agents or just kind of holding tight um I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, it's it's sad when you realize kind of how far we are from a championship. I mean, you see this Warriors team. <laughs> Basically, yeah. we need we need at least two Cade Cunninghams, maybe three, uh, right. to have a legit chance actually winning a title. So when you put yeah. it in those terms, it's it's still very important. This uh, this fifth pick, there's gonna be a star after this. You know, there's a, the top four or whatever. There's always the star that comes. You know, mid 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 teens, uh, late. Uh, you know, eight, nine, ten. So it's just finding that diamond in the rough. We got the first crack at it, so you just got to hope that we land this pick. It kind of stinks. I was hoping that the Pistons would land top three because it seems like the top three players are those stars. Mm -hmm. Ben Caro from Duke, um, Chet Holgram from Gonzaga, who's – there's I don't know he's you know he's like seven foot probably weighs less than you, Jared. But 195. Yeah, 195. So like all the potential is there. Um, and then Jabari Smith from Auburn, who I, I watched a bunch of this year. He, I think that kid's going to be a star. So they're probably going to be the top three. Pistons sitting at five. You know, they'll probably still get a player who can step in and probably start from day one. But, you know, who, who's that going to be? You know, I'm not sure. Like you said, they, they're, they're still, again, there's some potential. They need Cade Cunningham to keep rising. You have to have a superstar. You have to have two superstars in the NBA anymore. And... I don't know. Is Cade going to be that guy? I don't know, because then you also have to get free agents to come in. So it's kind of like as excited as people were for Cade Cunningham, rightfully so. He had a great season last year, great rookie season on a really bad team. Like you said, Jared, they're still so far away. Even if they hit on this draft right here, they still are very far away. The DeAndre Ayton thing, the, the Suns center right now, I hope they don't give him the max because to me, anymore in the NBA, you don't need – a max center like that, like you used to, like a you know Ewing, Shaq, Olajuwon, stuff like that. You don't need it anymore. If you have a Joel Embiid who can shoot, a Jokic who can shoot and pass, maybe, but that's not DeAndre Ayton. So hopefully they don't waste their money on him. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it it seems like people are kind of you know back and forth on whether or not we want to go get Aiden. It it is funny how big the money plays a part of all this. Um, because yeah. you think like it well, it's like obvious. Why would we not go get this guy? Right. But then it's it's comparative yeah. to you know what you get uh, compared to a guy that you're paying you know whatever five million a year compared right. to whatever Aiden would be twenty plus. Uh, so I. Whatever they decide with that, if Aiden's actually really committed to coming to Detroit, I mean, I'm not gonna be mad if we signed DeAndre Aiden. Maybe it's more of a short-term, you know, solution than a long-term one, which is what I'd worry about. Uh, so, if if it's right, it's right. You know, go get Aiden. But I'm not banging down Phoenix's door to get this guy. Right. Yeah, I'm more concerned about who they're going to draft and how it's going to fit on the team. I mean, it seems like they're looking at Big Ten, either Murray or Ivy. You know, do you guys have a preference on which one you'd rather see them pay? See seems them like pay? Ivy's going. Ivy's going four. 
that's like nobody. That's what I mean. Nobody really outside of that top four. Ivy makes me excited. I don't know how well he would fit with Cade, but right. at this point, I don't worry about fit. If just get a star, yeah. <laughs> figure out the fit after that. If you want to trade him, you know, whatever later on, right. just get a star. So I, I want. I would rather have Ivy than Murray. I mean, Murray, man. I, yeah, he played for Iowa. It's like I don't remember any real crazy Murray moments, man. It's kind of like you go through the whole year and then it's like, wait, this guy's like, was a top five projected player. It's like, right. Oh, all right. Uh, I guess that makes sense. So yeah. it's, uh, he doesn't get me super excited, but then again, I trust Troy Weaver. Hasn't given me a reason not to trust him yet. Whoever he, they put in the due diligence a lot more than I have, whoever they decide to draft until it proves wrong. I'm going to trust that trust his vision. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. And I just, just one comment on center. I mean, is there any hope that Garza is going to develop and be a, a no. really good center? No, just going to be too slow. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, he's already pretty skilled. I, I just don't know. He's just not, you know, the athlete. I, right. He's not a. He's not an NBA yeah. Finals starting center. And, Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, um, we don't re- ever talk about it, but the N- NHL Finals are looking to wrap up. Three to one, Colorado over Tampa Bay. I watched that game last night. Went to overtime. Really, Tampa needed that one. I think so. Colorado knocked it in and and got the win and probably going to close it out. And speaking of Colorado, uh, Matt, a little ESPN plug. Let's throw it out there right now. Sunday, right? One o'clock. Yeah. Sunday, the latest E60. E60s are always good, just like 30 for 30s, but unrivaled talking about mm. that heated mid nineties avalanche and Red Wings rivalry that, I mean, I remember vividly. I know you do too, too Ted. Oh, yeah. I don't know how much you've like watched YouTube clips or whatever, Jared, but yeah. This thing, I mean, they're talking to the players, they're talking to coaches, they're obviously going to show a ton of the old video. This thing's going to be, it's going to be amazing, even for you know casual hockey fans like Can't us. Wait. That, that was the that was the best era in hockey. Well, so, that'll be good. What's funny about that is, and we actually did like a little you know feature story about it. Mickey Redman, you know the 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 color guy for the Red oh, Wings, yeah. long time legendary booth between the him and ken daniels uh he actually took a bathroom break right before that fight breakout broke out missed it came back and what the hell just happened <laughs> so they did a whole little story basically you know him watching it for the quote-unquote watching it for the first time type story so that was pretty fun to do but it's kind of funny to think man you you're a red wings broadcaster you're you know last 30 years or however long he's been doing it maybe the most memorable moment yeah took a bathroom break during it right. so pretty funny little side story there when nature calls, he's nothing you can do about it. But nothing you can do. <laughs> Poor Mick. All right, fellas, I think we made it through another podcast. Any final thoughts before we uh, wrap it up? We, we both watched go? Hustle. Got, oh, Jared, yeah. Let's talk Jared hasn't hustle. watched Hustle yet. So I I would honestly give, I know we're trying to wrap up quick, so Hustle, the Adam Sandler movie that's on Netflix now. Honestly, I would put it in my top three favorite Adam Sandler movies. I know I've talked about it before. I'm a big Adam Sandler fan. I like him. This movie was great. There's comedy. There's some good heartfelt moments. It's a really good story. I'd say it's like Jerry Maguire, Happy Gilmore, a little bit of Ted. You mentioned a little bit of Rocky with like the underdog yeah. story. Um, it's a, it's a must watch. I mean, it's it's on Netflix if you have it. It's awesome. You know, Sandler's good. There's other good actors um, in it. Uh, that the other star who plays the basketball player, um, he he's really good. So. I'm not going full three on three, like like fan of the pod, Craig. He said three out of three. I'm not going that far, but I'm giving it an easy 2.8, 2.9 for me. Yeah, I do. I, mean, I agree with you 100%, 2.9 all the way. And uh, it, it's an awesome Sandler movie. He played the part real well as the scout. And, you know, for the Philadelphia 76ers, the guy that starred in, as the basketball player, 
he fooled me, man. We talked off air. I thought it was an NBA player just acting because the way they spiced spliced in the shooting sequences, it was incredible. You do, yeah. you know, it's not like these bad movies we've talked about before, like Teen Wolf, where these guys can't play basketball. Right. This was the real deal, and there was a lot of NBA players and cameos by coaches and whatnot, general managers. It, it was well done. That's what was cool. I think I tweeted it out that any NBA fan would like this because there's a ton of NBA player cameos. It's just really cool as a as a basketball fan to watch. So tonight, Jared. Got to yep. check it out. I it is it's on the docket tonight. It is. I got to watch it. How long is it? This just uh, two hours or less. Two hours. Yeah. Okay. Would you guys rate it better than Uncut Gems? I think I that's kind of the it. one compare. I haven't seen that yet. Believe Actually, it or not. I haven't seen Uncut Gems either. So. Well, what the hell? I guess you guys got to watch that. I got to watch <laughs> Hustle. Uh, Sounds good. They see. Yeah, that that would be my, that would be interesting to see the barometer compared to you know the dramedy or dramedy type movies for Adam Sandler. So yeah. No, I like like we talked about last week, man. He's putting out good content on Netflix. I, I'm always been a uh, Sandler uh, defender, even with some of his you know worst movies. I don't remember what the heck it was called, The Revengeful Seven or something. Oh, right. something. That movie was horrendous. But even then, I had a kind of funny scene where they played baseball for the first time, and this guy was basically making up rules. Uh, you know, and it's just kind of funny. It's like really when you think about baseball rules, they don't really make sense how they came about, but. So, no, I've always been a Sandler guy, so it's definitely on my list. i got to check it out. Sounds really good. All right, guys, let's uh, let's call it a pod. Uh, we're going to take a little hiatus for the 4th of July. Matt's coming up to Michigan. Stay tuned to uh, to our sites because we may be presenting a special pontoon podcast, <laughs> weather permitting. I, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Weather permitting. All right, this has been the Three Point Podcast presented by Memorial Healthcare, home of the now Wellness Community Center. Uh, follow us at Three Point Pod and spread the word. Make sure you let all our partners know you listen in and enjoy the show. They include Pro Real Estate and Auction, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, The Wash of Owasso, and the ALS Association of Michigan. And we want to send special thanks out to Jesse Goldberg Strassler for joining us. That was a fun conversation recapping his uh, trip to the show. Now, like I mentioned, we're taking a short break for the 4th of July, but look for pod 223 right after the holiday. So until next time, so long, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey, gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Three Point Podcast is a Sportsnet Michigan Three Point Podcast production. Subscribe and share on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of your favorite podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to 3pointpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.